From a studio high above the clouds of the Okanagan Valley, this is the Cannabis Podcast. Exploring the world of Canadian cannabis culture, one toke at a time. Now, here's your host and bud tender, Gary Johnston. Welcome back to the Cannabis Podcast. If this is your first time, well, an especially warm welcome for you. I hope you're going to enjoy the next 30 minutes or so of some cannabis information. And this episode, we have a particularly tight focus, just a couple of things that we're going to cover off. Of course, we'll talk a little bit about a potpourri of things that are happening, like, for example, a name change that's occurring to one major cannabis company. (laughs) We touch on that, and it's rather humorous, I find. In addition to that, today I have an interview with a listener who contacted me some time ago uh, from Ontario. Margaret's her name. And Margaret also hosts her own podcast. It's called the Bite Me Podcast, and we're going to talk about that today in our interview. And I do a rather extended version of Cultivar Corner in this episode, but unusually, we're not using flour. To meet some of the requests that I've had, I decided to skip the flour today, and we're doing a Cultivar Corner on a vape pen. This one is Redican's train rack, and it comes in the Redican vape kit. So that's coming up on Cultivar Corner today. And let's get to it. This is episode 52 of the Cannabis Podcast. And before we get into the meat of this particular episode, just a couple of potpourri items that I thought were of interest. Uh, First of all, a name change. (laughs) We've been watching this for a while, and I remember when the first cannabis store opened in the Kelowna, which was Hobo, and... Many of us wondered what the heck the name Hobo meant and how it was related in any way to cannabis, and we couldn't really understand it. And then, interestingly enough, uh, there was a story out this week, uh, and it was from the the Donnelly Group, or the owners of Hobo, and they put out a posting saying that they realize now that when they chose the name Hobo, they they missed the tone. They didn't get. They were tone deaf in relation to how this was going to relate to cannabis users. (laughs) So keep in mind that term tone deaf, because the Donnelly Group just came out this last week with a name change. They're dropping the name Hobo going forward, and they are moving to a new name, which is is much more tone-related. It is certainly not tone deaf, or at least they seem to think so. I think they need to hire somebody else to figure out their naming structure. Are you ready? You may have already heard about it, but the new name they have chosen is, which makes total sense, Dutch Love. Doesn't that make sense? Certainly better than Hobo in terms of its relating to cannabis. <laughs> so there you go. Let's see what happens from as Hobo transitions into Dutch Love. And I've already heard lots and lots of jokes about the relationship to Amsterdam's Red Light District. <laughs> now, I realize that Amsterdam has a relationship to cannabis, too. But perhaps this tone-deaf feature of the Donnelly Group, they missed the fact that it could be more closely related to the red light district of Amsterdam rather than cannabis. <laughs> so we'll keep that in mind as the signage changes for Dutch love. Another thing that I wanted to bring up is actually a little bit of a downer. Working in the cannabis industry, we've all been excited about the, you know, the prospect of sharing our knowledge and, and seeing people discover cannabis But I guess the part of that that I never really thought about was the danger side of cannabis. We had an incident in our store this last week uh, where we actually had a robbery. Uh, There was no weapon involved, but some force was involved, and I was the person that had that force applied to them. Uh, It was not a fun experience. 
And we've changed some security measures in the store to make things a little tighter and hopefully avoid that in the future. But it was a part of the cannabis industry that I know, I knew in the back of my head it was there. But I guess I was kind of pretending that it wasn't an issue and wouldn't become an issue and, until it did. And it, and it really changed uh, the attitude of everybody in the store. We all became a little bit more concerned about safety, a little bit more concerned about uh, some of the guests who come in who, I mean, most of the people who come into the cannabis store are in a pretty good mood. But there are the occasional ones that the, the hackles go up. The lessons I've learned uh, primarily listen to my spidey sense. When I get a sense that something is not cool about somebody who comes into the store now, I kind of immediately will ask them for ID and hopefully diffuse the situation and you know, spur them to go on elsewhere. So, not a happy note, but I thought a note that you know, relative to what this whole podcast is all about, talking about the cannabis industry, this is a fact of life, and it's probably going to start occurring more in various cannabis stores around our country. Now, let's get down to the heart of this episode. Let me give some context to the conversation. As uh, mm-hmm. anybody who listens to my podcast knows, I love hearing from people who are listening to the show and getting some feedback. And it's often out of those little exchanges of communication where guests appear on the podcast. And guess what, Margaret? That is exactly what's happened in this case. Uh, Margaret contacted me uh, some time ago just to say that she had uh, started listening to the podcast, enjoying what she was listening to, and then also told me that she has a podcast of her own. And that is Bite Me, the show about edibles. I thought that is a very cool idea because, again, if you've been listening to this podcast, you know that edibles and I do not have a real good experience together. So I'm hoping to learn a whole bunch. And Margaret has agreed to come on the show and answer some questions about that. So, Margaret, welcome to the Cannabis Podcast. Well, thank you, Gary. I'm pretty excited to be here today. Yeah, it's it's thrilling for me because, as I indicated, edibles and uh, have been very elusive for me. So I'm, so do you have like a, you've had a bad experience in the past with edibles that makes you a little gun shy about trying them out again? No, my problem with edibles is I have not found a dosage that, that gives me a high that uh, I enjoy uh, or that I, I either go way overboard. So right. that's been my difficulty has been finding that, that wonder spot. And right. uh, so far it's been elusive to me. Okay, that's fair. And it is tricky with the legal market, too, because they're sort of limited, I would say, right now in Canada. Well, absolutely. And and we've talked about that before. Of course, the reference to Health Canada's maximum 10 milligrams per package. Um, That's Mm -hmm. certainly an issue for me. I I know I had tried edibles before prior to the legal market. And where I found, really the only time that I found that I got a, a decent buzz and I enjoyed the experience seemed to be at around 50 milligrams and okay. that I, I enjoyed it, it. That gave me a good experience. But of course, in the legal market, I'm not, I'm not going to buy five packages of chocolates <laughs> to yes. eat them to get that same buzz. So, so let's, let's talk about that a little bit, Margaret. Give me, give me a sense of, of how you came to this world. What's your cannabis experience? Where did it all start for you? Oh, well, it all started way back, and I don't even want to say what year, because it was a long, long time ago. <laughs> like most people, yeah. I was kind of curious as a teenager. Okay. 
pretty sure the first time I bought it, uh, I bought oregano, but I can never be for sure. <laughs> sh- never be sure. We all did, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, because I do recall we were so excited and we smoked it and then nothing happened. Although my friend did claim that she got high. So I still wonder to this day if that was true or if she was just, <laughs> you know, acting the part. But that's fine. And if I've had sort of an on and off relationship with cannabis my entire adult life, probably. I had kids and, you know, sort of quit smoking for a while. Yeah. And then I also had the experience of when I was smoking, sort of a little, little later in my adult life, that it tended to make me really paranoid and um, antisocial, if you will, when I was okay. with with people. But then I went back to it probably well, several years ago now. And my husband and I, for whatever reason, we had a whole bunch of trim and shake, and we decided to make some weed butter. Okay. And it was a laborious process on our stove, which we said <laughs> we would never do again. And But the, the cookies we made from it turned out really good, and we really enjoyed them when we ate them. Nice. And it wasn't long after that that he bought me a magical butter machine, oh, which yeah. kind of changed everything when it came to making edibles. And from there, I just started experimenting because I found that the edibles high gave me, it was because it was slow progressing for one, I think it allowed me to sort of settle into the high. Okay. So that by the time I was at the peak of it, I suppose, I could still carry on a conversation. I felt really good, like all those things that yeah. smoking it used to do for me. And so that sort of became my preferred way to to indulge, if you will. Interesting. Um, yeah. And I have started smoking a little bit more since all that, just because I work at a dispensary now. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. You had mentioned that. Yeah. So, of course, when you're working at one, you tend to want to try and, like, experiment with some of the uh, strains that they get in, in the shop. Mm-hmm. Um, I still i am not a heavy smoker by any means, but I still do like to enjoy it, but Edibles is still definitely my preferred method. And 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 you said something there, Margaret, that, that might be the clue of, of part of the reason why I am having trouble and have had trouble with edibles. Because mm-hmm. you talked about about the slow climb uh, mm-hmm. and, and being able to, you know, address and deal with that as it climbs. And I think that's what I'm missing. I'm I'm so used to that that euphoric bang, here it is in your face, high with the with a good joint or or in my vaporizer. That I, I, I may be not realizing <laughs> when I've hit that high with the edibles. I think that's been part of my problem. So it's interesting to hear you say that. Yeah. And it could be. And you, I mean, the thing with edibles that, that was just one reason why some people don't use them is because you do have to be patient. Yeah. Cause obviously, if you eat some or drink it or however you're, you're ingesting them, yeah. you, you just have to wait a little bit. Yeah. And, exactly. But that just comes into timing. So what I would do is I'd be like, well, if I want to be, you know, starting to feel high at a certain time in the evening, then I would just sort of time it. Right. And and you also mentioned the magic butter machine. And I just had a customer yes. in the store uh, yesterday talking about the magic butter machine and how much of a difference it had made in his life. So you've experienced the same thing. Oh, absolutely. It's really, it's really easy. You pretty much put your, your oil, your butter, whatever you're using, your yeah. cannabis in the machine, push some buttons and you come back two hours later and it's all done for you. I mean, you still have to strain it and that clean the machine afterwards. Yeah, of but, course. 
the you know the first time I made butter on the stove when you're stand you're supposed to stand there and stir it you're, from what I remember you're <laughs> yeah. supposed to stand there and stir it for two hours and all this stuff and who's got the time for that exactly I certainly don't so <laughs> yeah who does that's very true and, and another since you you are so um, you know into the edible world another question that I have have been curious about because we get people coming in and, and wanting a sativa or an indica edible and uh you know in, in terms of the science as i understand it once it transforms into that 11 hydroxy i'm not so sure that there is that much of a of a difference do you find that that you still get that that indica or sativa effect with your edibles in the end it's very interesting you bring that up too, because people come into our shop asking for the same thing and there are some edibles now that are labeled as sativa or indica yeah but in my experience, I feel like that's just marketing because I've used all kinds of different weed. And by the time you're done decarboxylating it and then infusing it and then baking it in your cookies or whatever you're doing, yeah, I really don't think it makes much of a difference at all. Well, I, I, and I'm opinion. glad to hear you say that because, uh, again, once that once that THC has been transferred from what we, the Delta 9 that we smoke. And, and in, in my mind, that's when we see the indica and sativa differences is, is in the Delta 9 THC where you, you know, you truly get that up feeling or that really sedated feeling. Interesting mm-hmm. perspective. I, I appreciate your thoughts on that. So what's, what caused you to, to start the podcast? What, what was the, the spark that got, got that going? Well, I think it was a combination of factors, but one, I was, I've been making edibles for long enough and people that know me know that I love making edibles. And a lot of people are always just like, why don't you start a business making edibles? But that's rife with all kinds of legalities and red tape and all sorts of things. Any, any food and beverage sort of company has certain challenges associated with it. I was also, and still do listen to a ton of podcasts. Um, I've been listening to podcasts for a while and I noticed there wasn't really anything out there as far as podcasts regarding edibles. So my sister happened to have an extra microphone kicking around at her house. And she said, here, you can you can use it. You're, you're more than welcome to have it. I'm not using it anymore. And I just started out with one episode. And I think I was sort of pretty, I was pretty infrequent when I started. It was like maybe once every couple of weeks, maybe once a month. But I got that first listener email. And that changed everything. It does, doesn't it? (laughs) It really does. And so it wasn't long after that that I started doing it more, taking it more seriously. And I went to a weekly format. And I'm impressed at the the number of episodes that that you have put out. Uh, I started out the reverse Uh, when I started doing this, the cannabis podcast. I started going weekly. And at the time, I wasn't working full time. And then when I started working full time, it was just really hard to get that time to, to put a whole episode together every week. So that's when I went to bi-weekly. And, and even now, I still kind of struggle occasionally with the bi-weekly format. So I'm very impressed, Margaret, that you're, you're doing that on a, on a weekly basis. Well, thank you. What's been the, the biggest fun for you putting it out in, in the podcast format? Uh, the biggest fun? Well, to be honest, I really actually like recording it. I find, which is interesting. I've not been somebody who's wanting to always put myself out there. So I've never been much of a YouTube person and this eliminates all that crap. <laughs> I don't have to worry about combing my hair or anything. I also really like creating the recipes for the show because any of the recipes that I talk about in the show are ones that I had made like previously. Okay, good, good. That's nice to know. Yeah, I'm sharing my experiences making them because 
I'm not like a professional chef or anything like that. I'm just somebody who likes to cook. And I feel like most of the people that are listening to the show are the same as me. So, you know, when I take a recipe from a cookbook and I'm finding like I needed to tweak this or I found that, you know, there are little subtleties associated with making that recipe. That's what I'm sharing a lot of the times. And I really enjoy doing that. It's sort of all the cooking stuff that I would otherwise be doing anyway. I'm now just talking about it with the people out there who are listening. And of course, anytime somebody emails me, it's like, even a year later, it's still a real thrill. Yeah, <laughs> so, oh, absolutely, it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it, that is part of the thrill of, of podcasting. I totally agree with you on from that perspective. Yeah, and, um, yeah. So, just for clarity, uh, for as you're listening, if you want to take a look at uh, what uh, Margaret has been doing, it's bitemepodcast.com. That's the URL where you can go and uh, see the work and lovely looking uh, website you've got, Margaret. Oh, thank you. And all of the episodes and recipes are, are linked on there, I'm going to assume? They are all there, yes. Excellent. Yes, they are. Yeah. And, and out of those, then there's some really cool recipes. As I as I look on these, we've got the uh, that rich, simple syrup looks pretty good. Mm-hmm. And that's your gateway to a whole bunch of other recipes. But <laughs> I suspected that is because simple syrup in and of itself is t- typically your gateway to a number of different drinks. So, so, so give give me a sense of of what, what that was, what that was like in in creating that recipe. It's one you've used before. Uh, it was one I used recently, actually, and that's based from a book that I've been working from for these. It's sort of like a little mini series I'm doing on the show right now. Okay, and it's cannabis cocktails, mocktails, and tonics written by Warren Bobro, and he did give me permission to share these recipes with my audience. Nice. So I started out with the Rich Simple Syrup because when I, I really enjoy his book. I got it a while ago, and the Rich Simple Syrup allows you to make a whole bunch of recipes from that book, and this week's episode, I do a punch with one of them, and then there's another one next week, so that was sort of my rationale behind that one. Nice. Out of all the episodes you've done so far, do you have one particular recipe that that is your absolute go-to, that you absolutely just love? That's a really tough question. (laughs) Yeah, I guess because you have so many, it would be. Yeah, Yeah. and I try and do a bunch of different stuff. A lot of them will be seasonal, too. Like the the recipes or the edibles I'm making in the summertime are going to be very different than the ones I'm making in December, for instance. Yeah, of course. I've been doing a lot of like you know, frozen treats and cold beverages over the summer. But I am a sucker for caramels and gummies, and I'm always trying to find the perfect elusive gummy recipe. So those are probably some of my favorite episodes because I love caramels and I love gummies. Oh, nice. I have a sweet tooth for sure. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, well, I do too, whether or not, whether even if I'm not indulging in cannabis, I still have a sweet tooth. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, me too. So, so then for those of us who, you know, want to dive down into this and maybe explore a little bit more about edibles and cooking with them, what, what would be your first piece of advice of, of how to get started with doing that? Well, like anything, keep it simple. I would highly recommend you start with a coconut oil infusion because coconut oil is so versatile and you can use it in so many places that you might even use butter. And then, obviously, don't make it too strong. Like, you don't have to worry about making it really strong because you're if you're new to edibles, you're probably still experimenting with your potency. And I always feel like it's better to make something that's less potent and then you can enjoy more if you want to than to make something that's, like, 
we've all heard of those gummy bears where you eat the nibble the head off of it or the ear and then you're like blasted <laughs> for three days like to yeah. me that doesn't make any sense no. i don't know why anybody would want to enjoy that i'd rather eat five gummy bears and get to the right spot yeah then you know nibble the ear off so start low go slow make yeah. your don't make your infusions too strong and then when you're ready to cook with it and you're not really sure where to go even a packaged like cookie mix or brownie mix okay is a perfect way to start as long as that recipe calls for an oil on the on the package or the box okay you can use it and you just swap in your infused coconut oil okay well you make it sound so easy <laughs> yeah it, well it is it's not as intimidating as it seems but yeah and i, I guess it, it's the the dosage that you refer to that, that is one of the things that's always kind of kept me from going down that path is determining the dosage of, of what you're going to make. What what process do you use to get some sense of what the dosage of, of your edibles are going to be? It's honestly trial and error. Okay. So over time and keeping notes, I find is really, is a really good way. Like if you have a little notebook, I actually have, I bought not that long ago, a gold leaf. I don't know if you've heard of gold leaf. It's a company out of the States and they make beautiful notebooks. Okay. They have one one specifically for cooking with cannabis so you can write down all the details about your batch but you can keep that in your phone or in a notebook you have at home and then just start at the low end and work your way and figure out you know just figure it out as you go because it can take some trial and error now that i've been doing it for so long i tend to make my coconut oil or butter almost the exact same way every time so i have a rough idea of how potent a cookie is or something's going to be because I know the potency of that infusion. And once you find that sweet spot, you don't really have to deviate too much unless you're making a brand new infusion that you've never really tried before. Okay. But for your staples, like the butter, the coconut oil, you just start low and then start figuring it out from there. You just make it sound so easy. You, you might have yeah. inspired me to, to give it another try and <laughs> see if I can have some, some success down that path. But seriously, the notes are important because I don't know how many times I would have made something. And then if I didn't write it down, there's no way I would have remembered when I came back to it next time. <laughs> yeah. Because, of course, you know, I enjoy cannabis. <laughs> yes, exactly. They, they do kind of go together sometimes. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, you think you're going to remember these little details, like how much cannabis you used in your infusion to yeah. how much coconut oil and stuff. You don't. You just don't. But I, if you write it down a note on your phone or notebook, then then you yeah. can come back to it. Yeah. Okay. Very cool. Excellent. And and is there something that you have wanted to cover, but you have not yet that, that is coming up in some future episodes? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. I think one of the things I'm really wanting to experiment with, but I just haven't done it yet, is sous vide. I don't know if you're familiar with the sous vide cooking method, which is like a water immersion okay. for infusing and for cooking. Mm -hmm. And I've heard a lot of really positive things about it, but I've never experimented with it in my own kitchen. And that's definitely something that's on my short list to do. Oh, cool. So that's that's one for sure. Yeah. Excellent. Well, you have, have truly inspired me, Margaret. I'm, I'm thrilled that there's somebody else who's passionate about an area of cannabis and decided to go forth and, and tell a bunch of people about it and share some of your knowledge. And you're doing a fabulous job with the Bite Me podcast. Well, I really appreciate that. And my hope is to is to inspire people just like you to try cooking it at home yeah. because I also feel like when you make your own edibles, you have more control over what you're ingesting. Yeah. And that doesn't just, 
that's not just about potency. It's just about all the ingredients. You know, when you're buying edibles in a store, sometimes you have all kinds of stuff you might not want to eat in those products, like preservatives and, you know, colorings and flavorings and that type of thing. But when you make them yourself, you have complete control over the whole process. And I really feel like that's important to a lot of home cooks too. Yeah, well, I would agree wholeheartedly. And, and and in fact, you raising that thing just sparked another question that I have for you. What what? How do you determine when you're making? Let's say you're you're going to do a new batch of of some infused oil. Um, mm-hmm. When you're going to make that batch, how much cannabis are you actually using when when you make a batch? Uh, well, again, this would depend. But for me, I'm often using upwards of forty grams. Okay. For a couple of cups of coconut oil or or butter. Okay. Um, but that's shake and trim. Right. So it's not like flour. If it's it was flour, bad. you might, yeah, you would, yeah, you wouldn't need to use that much if it was flour. But I also have the, I also tend to think that using like bud is, if you can avoid doing that, is probably preferable just because you can get the just the same or better results using the stuff that people might otherwise discard. So okay. it's a really great way to sort of, if you're growing or something, it's a great way to use that stuff you might otherwise just put in the compost. And it makes fantastic, fantastic infusions. Well, yeah, uh, once more, you've, you've inspired me as I as I pull up a jar of some of the trim from my lamb's breath that I just finished uh, harvesting. I think I think I know what I'm going to do with some of that. Yeah. And you know what, what better way? To, I mean, what would you do with it? Otherwise, you're probably not going to smoke it or anything. Well, the, so. the other, no, the other thing that I would do with some of it, and I still will do some of it. And that's something that I've been doing for the last uh, year or two, uh, is been making some uh, bubble hash. Oh, true. Yes. That would be another, another yeah, use for I it. I really enjoyed that experience and I really enjoyed the hash that, came, that was the end result too. It was really nice. That's interesting. You mentioned that too, because I'm growing some, some weed myself in my backyard. Yeah. And of course I'm my plan is to use a lot of it for making edibles, but yeah. making something like hash would definitely interest me as well cuz I used to love that stuff. Yeah, well me too and and uh so I bought a, a set of bubble bags. I think I got the five bag pack. And and the experience is it's interesting, you know. You go through the ice water immersion and and imagine all those trichomes falling off as you're stirring it mm-hmm. up, and, and then you see them in the filters later. Uh, it's it's quite an immersive experience. I really quite enjoyed it, so I I would recommend that for you as well as an experience that you should try. I will definitely be putting that on my list because I'm sure by the time I harvest my stuff, there's gonna I'm gonna have so much that I'll need to find things to do with it all. So <laughs> well, that's the hope anyway. But I did want to mention as well, because you mentioned in your podcast that you vaporize a lot of yes. your cannabis in like a dry herb vaporizer. That's right. And I got myself a dry herb vaporizer not that long ago as well, in part because the taste and the flavor is so much better. Yeah. But you can use the, the already vaped cannabis in some of your infusions as well. Ah. If you're getting a lot of it. And it's already decarbed. This is as I understand it. I haven't really tried it too much myself, but I'm going to be uh, experimenting with that as well. So if instead of composting or throwing out the interesting the used herb, you can use it in an infusion as well. Back in the day when I still had my volcano running and I was generating a lot of, of that, my wife called that the, the cannabis tailings. <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah. And we had a big container of it and i think we eventually just tossed that out i never thought of using that for edibles yeah and the advantage is it's already decarbed because yeah, it, usually it when it you cook with sure. cannabis yeah you're supposed to decarb first 
yeah. to maximize or to, use, to remove that A molecule from the THCA. Absolutely. But yeah, absolutely. You, you're skipping this step while you're while you're enjoying your fresh cannabis too. So it's a win-win. Wonderful. Another great yeah. suggestion. Yeah. So the show is Bite Me, the show about edibles. The yes. URL for it again is bitemepodcast.com. Margaret is the host. Thank you so much for joining me today, Margaret. I hope you have a enjoy the rest of your day. I will. It was my pleasure, Gary. THC, CBD, terpene profiles, what's in me? Oh, please explain to me. Go to our corner. Go to our corner. Oh, yeah. Go to our corner. Please explain this stuff to me. Today, we have one of our more unusual cultivar corners. Unusual for a couple of different perspectives. First, this literally is the first time that I've had a toke for today, which I think is a really good indication and a good test of what we're going to test on Cultivar Corner today, which in itself is a rarity. But here we are, nonetheless, so we've established that. And the other piece is uh, we are actually not going to be doing a Cultivar Corner on specifically cannabis flower today. In fact, I've had this request from a number of people to also take a peek at the vape, the vape pens that are out there. Uh, whether you're using a, well, actually, there is no weather. I'm looking at a 510 battery, so 510 threading on this vape cartridge. And in fact, what we are going to test today is from Redican, and it is their Redican vape kit. So it comes with a 510 battery, the battery charger, and the adapter, so you can screw that into your USB adapter, plug your battery in and charge it, of course. And in addition to that, it comes with a 0.45 gram of train wreck, vape oil, or cannabis extract, as it's called. And so that's what we're going to be sampling on Cultivar Corner today. And it's all right in front of me. Nice little package from Redican. Their little logo glows nicely green when one draws on it. And that's, I like these kind of batteries. And in, in the 510 batteries, if you haven't experienced or looked at them uh, up to this point, there's a number of different variations on them. There's a series of the batteries which require five clicks in order to start it. Typically, those batteries, if they require five clicks to start, they require five clicks to shut it off. And in addition, one or two or three clicks to change the heat settings. So this one doesn't have a heat setting variable, which I guess is perhaps one of the disadvantages of what are called the inhale start batteries. That's what this one is. But the advantage is there's no buttons to click. You don't have to remember whether it's five clicks that you got to turn it on. Uh, it just you inhale and the experience begins. In the past, I have tried, to be perfectly candid, I have tried a couple of vape tips before, uh, but the one I tried before was simply a THC distillate, nothing else. No terpenes were reintroduced to it. And in all honesty, when I experienced that or tried that, and that was a couple of years ago, it didn't really give me a buzz. I made the mistake. I was off, I think, to a Toastmasters conference, and I only took my vape pen thinking that it was going to work fine. <laughs> Oh, it's not a mistake. I never really did get high on, on that particular excursion. So I realized then that the straight THC distillate is not the flavor for me, so to speak. So this time around, I picked up the uh, Redican vape kit, and this includes the, as I say, Trainwreck, which is a sativa vape. And the contents of this include cannabis extract and terpenes. So they have reintroduced the terpenes appropriate for the Trainwreck uh, cultivar. At least I hope they're appropriate for the train wreck cultivar. And what are we dealing with here? As I said, it's 0.45 grams or 0.45 milliliters. 
the THC, and this, of course, is the kick for anybody who's looking to do the vapes. And uh, Steve, who was uh, and is a listener, <laughs> don't want to imply he was a listener, at least I hope he's still a listener. And Steve, when he sent me a note about this, was looking about vapes, and what his main concern was, all that news we heard in the last couple of years about those illegal vapes and those problems that we're having with a certain popcorn lung kind of things that were showing up. What we want to be clear on is that the vape that you need that's going to be at least a little healthier for you does not have any of those additional additives. So this just has cannabis extract and terpenes. And a terpene is a terpene is a terpene. So relatively clean. I know it's a CO2 extraction, clean CO2 extraction that this is obtained from, this cannabis oil. And, well, I think it's about time we gave it a taste. Now, what's the advantage? Well, there are many advantages in looking at a vape cartridge or a vape pen. Uh, first and foremost is discretion. I know a lot of people use these on golf courses. I've had a lot of people come in and refresh their tips for new round of golf they're doing. Or various other things, family outings, uh, where they don't want to be as obvious about it, want to be a little discreet, and you can't get much more discreet than a vape pen uh, for a couple of reasons. It's pretty tiny, so it's pretty easy to hide. Although, of course, things are legalized. We shouldn't have to hide everything anymore. <laughs> but the bigger factor, I guess, is there's very little smell. There is, of course, a little bit of vapor that's going to come out as you exhale. There's going to be some odor to that. But that's going to dissipate so darn quickly that nobody's going to notice it unless they're standing right next to you. So discretion, uh, ease of use, and the other kicker is high THC. So the people who come into the store looking for the vape pens are those who have built their tolerance up to where they really need that high kick of THC. The flower is not doing it for them anymore. And... I'll be honest again, I don't want to get to that stage. I want to continue to smoke flour and to get a lot of my high from the flour. So I'm reluctant to do the vapes really heavily, but you know what? We're going to see how baked we can get today because as an experiment here on Cultivar Corner. So this is Trainwreck from Redican. THC value is at 82.6%. There is a little bit of CBD. In fact, there's 2.36 milligrams of CBD per gram. Total CBD is that 2.36 milligram. So just a touch of the CBD, but lots and lots of THC at 82.6%. So how do we advise you to use a vape? Don't draw on it as long and hard as you do on a joint because you're just going to get overburdened with that. And of course, unless that's your thing, if you're a bong hitter, you might be able to take that. I have not hit a bong for a long time, so I'm going to go fairly light on the vape. And here we go, the first hit on the Cannabis Extracts Trainwreck Vape Kit. Now, of course, it's much faster. You're not waiting for that flame to light. It, the inhalation start means that as soon as you inhale on it, the battery is applying the heat to that vape uh, or to that oil, and hence it ends up in your lungs. And an interesting taste. There's a little bit of, little bit of sweetness just to it kind of on the exhale. It's not a really distinct flavor. I couldn't you know, give you a specific identity of any particular terpenes that might be in this. And I tried to locate the terpenes uh, that are in here and I was unable to do that. Sometimes it's so difficult to look and go and find terpenes and, and get the specifics of the ones that are in a particular strain. It's cool. And I don't mean, you know, it's cool to do that. I mean, it's cool in terms of the smoke. There's not a lot of heat. Because the uh, the temperature that's being applied is just enough to have the vape uh, become, or rather have the oil turn into vapor. 
<coughs> oh. So just to validate, <coughs> if you do pull a little too hard and you bring a little too much into your lungs, uh, just like with a joint or with a bong, <sighs> there's going to be a little getting used to that. <laughs> and a gentle reminder to yourself that don't haul on it so big next time. This should not be a painful experience, should it? <laughs> oh, yeah. So I really overindulged on that one. So let me take a better hit. Exercise a little more control. And now the big question, after I've done, I guess, four or five hits off this now, at 82% THC, uh, is the bang there? And there's a, there's a hint of my happy eyes, which uh, common listeners to the show will know that that's a feature for me that says I'm doing, especially dealing with a nice sativa, where I'm getting that nice euphoric high. And there's, it's not jumping to my happy eyes right now. Now, I do have some euphoria. Let me, let me be honest in that. And perhaps my speech is becoming a little bit more, um, I'm not even sure what the word I'm looking for. So have I gotten a buzz off of this? Yeah, I've, I've gotten a buzz off this. It's giving me a buzz. Is it the, is it the kind of buzz that I was expecting at 82.6% THC? Not really. But then I guess that kind of reminds me of the article we talked about last week with that study in Colorado, where they gave vape and flower users different levels of THC. And the end result was nobody could really determine that the high was any better with the higher THC. So certainly good for discretion, certainly good for ease of use. It's a pleasant taste. But I think the definitive answer in the vapes as with all things cannabis, it's personal. I have discovered that I'm a real entourage effect guy. I like to have my flower with all of the cannabinoids that are in there, all of the terpenes that are in that flower, and even some of the stuff that maybe I don't like, but maybe a little bit of leaf thrown in for good measure. I, I just have come to the realization that I am a entourage guy. Uh, that's That's the best effect for me. When I have that everything together, and it just goes right to my happy eyes, gives me that euphoric feeling, and it just goes on really well. Now, I guess one of the disadvantages to the fact that I do prefer smoking or vaping, which are dry herb vaping, let's make that clarification, is that it doesn't tend to perhaps last as long. And that'll be, I guess, one of the kickers I'll look at with this. You know, does this last? And typically the highs that I get from flower are, are gone within an hour or so. And I've kind of grown used to that. <laughs> I have no idea how it is for you. And again, cannabis is such a personal experience. So the end result is I'm feeling really good. It's given me a nice little buzz. It has not kicked me over and, and uh, sat me down on my ass as I kind of perhaps thought it might do with 86% THC, but it has given me a really good buzz. I am uh, feeling pretty good. And as I move on here, I realize that there's a bit of a creepiness. It's coming on a little stronger the longer we go here. Um, so there's so much variety out there in terms of the vapes. I guess the thing that we want to make sure or that I would point out that you're looking for is make sure that there's no additional additives. Uh, I've seen a lot of them that are adding additional flavors, and I just don't see why you need those additional flavors. 
because you know they're going to come along with something else. Uh, cannabis extract and the terpenes. Reinsertion of terpenes, I don't have a problem with that. Terpenes are a naturally occurring molecule. And then I've heard some debate about, uh, and we've had this discussion in the store as well, where people are saying, well, you know, they're reinserting the cannabis terpenes. They're, they're reintroducing the terpenes. There, there are, in fact, no cannabis terpenes. There are terpenes found in cannabis, but they are not unique to cannabis. Uh, beta-pinene, beta-caryophylline, caryophylline. Those are terpenes that are molecules of, as terpenes all and of themselves. They do occur in cannabis. They also occur in a whole bunch of other plants in the plant kingdom. There's 30,000 terpenes, as last I counted. Well, actually, I didn't actually count them, but I heard somebody reference that there were 30,000 of them. So, cannabis extracts and terpenes, that's what you want to see in your, uh, in your vape. And hopefully that's going to give you a nice, good flavor. Is it going to be my go-to for the future? Probably not. But no, I'll kick it around in times where I need a, just a quick hit and I don't want to go through the ritual of rolling a joint or getting my vaporizer up and running. I'll still use it because it has resulted in a pretty darn good high. Things sometimes move so fast in this industry that things change before you even have a chance to release them. <laughs> Between the time that I recorded this Cultivar Corner and the time that it's being released, there's been a lot of discussion about vapes and additional terpenes. I made reference in that cultivar corner that I didn't have any problem with adding additional terpenes. Well, I actually do now with some of the information that has come out. Serious questions have been raised over the safety of cannabis vape products that contain a terpene additive called phytol. And this is a story from our friends at theokanagansea.com. According to stratcan.com, Tokyo Smokes Vice President of Operations in Ontario sent an email July 31st to vape pen manufacturers in Canada the email was reportedly notifying companies they had 48 hours to provide written confirmation that their products do not contain Phytol. Failure to respond would result in a stop-sale order on the company's vape cards and filled pens, says Dracan. It's been less than a year since Cannabis 2.0 come into effect, making new products, including vaporizers, legal. Last year, a spate of deaths and hospitalizations blamed on vaping-related lung illness caused alarm just as the new products were about to be released. In some cases, additives to the cannabis oil reacted with the heat in a way that became toxic to the user. Phytol is sometimes added to vape pen carts because cannabis oil used is too thick to heat and inhale and requires a thinning agent to ensure it is fluid enough to be affected with a pen's heating coils. Well, a Health Canada letter sent in mid-July requested that vape pen producers provide additional information on the composition of certain vaping products, which may be used to determine if products contain substances that are prohibited or that may be injurious to health, according to Stratcan. Interesting development that occurred after, in fact, just a day or two after, I had actually recorded this cultivar corner. So pay attention to the terpenes that are added to your cannabis extracts and more details on what Phytol is doing uh, as this story develops. And before we finish up episode 52 of the Cannabis Podcast, let me welcome a couple of new listeners. In fact, they're both named Jim. So welcome, Jim. Uh, one Jim contacted me from Vancouver, and the other Jim, I believe, is from Ontario. Welcome aboard, Jims. It's always nice to have additional listeners here, and they have some questions which we'll be taking a peek at and probably cover off in the next few episodes. So welcome. It's always nice to have somebody else join our family here and come along for the ride. If you ever have any suggestions, as to the, the two Jims have done, send me a note. 
at info at cannabispodcast.com. If you have a suggestion for who should be interviewed or a topic that we should cover, uh, that's the place to get a hold of me. You will always find the info for any of the pieces we talk about on any particular episode at cannabispodcast.com. The same thing will apply today. You'll find the links to the Okanagan Z story we talked about, as well as the, uh, I'm going to try to find a link to the name change for our folks at uh, Hobo, now Dutch Love. <laughs> but that's where you'll find those links. And that wraps it up for episode 52 of the Cannabis Podcast. From the Cannabis Infused Studio, high above the Okanagan Valley, this was the Cannabis Podcast. The Okanagan Z story we talked about, as well as the, uh, I'm going to try to find a link to the name change for our folks at uh, Hobo, now Dutch Love. <laughs> but that's where you'll find those links. And that wraps it up for episode 52 of the Cannabis Podcast. From the cannabis-infused studio, high above the Okanagan Valley, this was the Cannabis Podcast. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Season one of Dope History is now available at dopehistory.com. Dope History weaves you through the lives of those who have been touched by cannabis or have had an influence on the events that shaped our laws or relationships with this plant. You'll hear tales from Frenchie Cannoli, Keith Strop, Eddie Lepp, Tom Alexander, Ed Rosenthal, Wolf Seagull, Jorge Cervantes, and Tommy Chong. Available now at dopehistory.com.